On today's show, Coach Keith is back in the saddle for two more years. We'll break down the deal and give our thoughts on it. Also, the results are in for the Athletics front office confidence rankings. They'll be quite surprised with Leafs ended up. All that more on today's edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of the Locked On family. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. What's going on, Dave? How you feeling on a Friday? Good. I just wanted to note that I know some people are going to wonder what happened to Fan Friday. We had someone booked, but uh, unfortunately, a family thing had come up. So we decided, well, the fan survey is out. Let's do the fan survey for Fan Friday instead. Does make uh, make a little bit of sense that we still get a little bit of fan content uh, in there for Fan Friday. So, yes, we got that. The the survey results came out. We did our show um, last week, I recall, and we did we submitted our thoughts to the survey. So we got ours in there. Uh, and then everyone else, obviously, who compiled their thoughts and gave their rankings. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think both of us were a little surprised by uh, the results. So we'll get to that in uh, in a few moments. But first, I mean, I think the big news in Leafland that we weren't able to touch on. Uh, it's our first show since Sheldon Keefe has signed his two-year extension here in Toronto. I think he legitimately signed like an hour after we posted our last podcast like yeah, it was, how it happens it, it, it was and like it was, I, I got a little a little dangle feel where it's like we just finished recording and then an hour later boom big news and it's like oh now we gotta wait two days to talk about this again come on come on um uh, but anyways sheldon keith signs a two-year deal with the toronto maple leafs uh to Remain the bench boss here for Toronto. I mean, a lot of us expected this was going to happen. Um, Tree Living flat out came out and said it'll happen at some point. You know, there was no rush. Keith knew that it was going to happen at some point. Once he was, you know, assured that he was going to remain this year, he wasn't going into the season as a lame duck coach. He was going to get an extension of some kind. Um, and, and, you know, a two-year extension, that's basically what he got last time, if you recall, a couple of years ago, uh, going into the, the final year of his deal, just another an additional two years. So it's not necessarily a long-term uh, investment into Sheldon Keefe as his coach of the future, but it does give him some, you know, some clarity and it gives him an opportunity to uh, not have to think about that this year and really gives him a year or two to find his bearings and prove to Brad Trilliving that he can be the guy to put this team over the top. Yeah. And like we just by looking at what I've seen from contracts and coaches signings, like two years kind of seems like the norm. Like there aren't many teams handing out five, six, seven year deals like the Leafs initially did with Babcock. It's such a revolving door. 
in yeah. in you know today's NHL, like Keith is one of the most longest tenured coaches in the NHL at this point. That's that's something. Like he he became the head coach of the Maple Leafs in November of 2019, and is one of the longest tenured coaches in the NHL. It's it's wild the amount of coaches that teams have been cycling through uh, as of late. But you know, a two year extension is really just like a, a, a show me deal. Right. So it's Brad Schilling just giving him an opportunity to say, all right, I I like you. You know, you you've you've come equipped with uh, words, apparently. Uh, Like, remember, he went down. He spoke with not only Austin Matthews when he first got the job in Arizona, but Sheldon Keefe was in Arizona at the time as well. So he sat down with Keefe and he figured out, you know, how he ticks, how he works. You know, what's his work ethic like? What's his, uh, you know, his philosophies? And he came away impressed uh, is is basically what he had even said himself, um, Brad Trilliving. So um, a, a quick quote from the press uh, release that was sent out after the signing was, Trilliving said he had been very impressed with Keith since joining the team in May. He has shown great leadership skills with his staff and our players and has a clear vision for this team and where it needs to go, Trilliving added. Sheldon has established himself as one of the top coaches in the league and I look forward to working alongside uh, him as we head into the upcoming season. So, you know, he's pretty excited to uh, to get him. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard uh, through the grapevine that he was very impressed and that, you know, when they went and met um, for the first time in, in Arizona, he was very impressed with how, you know, detailed and meticulous Sheldon Keefe is. And he does believe, you know, at the bottom of his heart that Sheldon could be a good coach uh, in this league and a good coach for his team. So it'll be interesting to see how things kind of play out. Um, you better hope that they get off to a much better start than they had the last couple of years, though, right? Like, remember how terrible the first month has started out the last two years? That's not going to feel great if you're Sheldon Keefe with a new uh, a new guy up top and, you know, knowing that they just gave you all this money. I mean, I, he's not going to be let go a month into the season. I think we can agree with that. But he's gonna want to deliver the whole team's gonna want to deliver in the month of october instead of you know the the slide we've seen the last couple seasons yeah i mean with this whole idea like to let sheldon keep going like we kind of discussed it too about you know maybe it might be the time to do it and then you try to think of when you're moving off from a coach you have to think that there's got to be someone better to replace him with you're not just getting rid of a coach to get rid of a coach and the same is going to go for in the season too right because i think sometimes sheldon keith gets gets put in the blame too much for how the players play right i i think now i think people some more people are maybe starting to realize that maybe it's not all the coach and maybe the players should take a little bit of accountability for how things go, right? Well, I I think people understand that it's not the coach. I think people get that, but some, you know, as a general manager, you only have a couple of bullets in the chamber right. to get a team going, and unfortunately, you can't trade away the whole team. No. And one of the easier moves to make is the coach. Like often, when a coach gets fired, you know, there's sometimes it's it's not even his fault. Like it's, he's doing everything he can to prepare the team. The team's just not executing, and that shouldn't necessarily be the coach's fault. But you know, unfortunately, they typically have to fall on the sword. Right. Um, and that would have been the case here for Sheldon Keefe, I think, if he would have been fired. Like I, I think Keefe's is a, a really good coach. I, I do. I think that he has his you know group well prepared. I think that when it comes to 
you know, being able to adapt to in-game situations. He's usually pretty good at that. Um, you know, we saw him finally win a playoff round and, you know, I don't necessarily know if he outcoached uh, John Cooper, but he certainly was up to par with John Cooper throughout that playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, I think that he proved enough uh, this year that he's deserving to be given another shot, at least for another year or two. That's exactly what, what a two-year extension does for, for a coach. Yeah, and look, uh, when it comes to his extension, if people think that, you know, he's locked in completely, I don't think so. Like, I, I, I do think that at some point, results have to be shown. Yeah, the first round, getting out of the first round, as tough as it was, was, you know, at least justification that they're trending in the right direction. The Florida yeah. series obviously leaves a bad taste in your mouth and how things kind of ended there and the, you know, adjustments weren't maybe properly made and players weren't obviously executing as well. So I think what it, what it shows is that, okay, the bar has been set higher now, right? Can Sheldon Keith get this team to raise the bar of play? I think that's where, you know, his main job is going to have to be. And, you know, it's not going to be easy because I think there's there's going to be some challenges, there's going to be some tinkering have to be done here. But that's that's what they're paying them for, right? Coaches have to find a way to adapt. They got to find ways to get better. And again, he his his uh, success and failure will be determined by the playoffs. I think I don't see this team going on. The tough part about last year was remember that stretch they had where they just got awful. Right. And like that was the time people were calling for Sheldon Keefe's. Yeah. That was the one I was talking about in October. Yeah. Like the, the, they went on that California road trip and they just got absolutely dummied by all of those California teams. And it's like, like that close yeah, to thinking that Sheldon Keefe was losing his job. But then what happened was the team started playing better because that's what the issue was. The issue wasn't really the coach's problem. No. The issue was the players weren't playing well. And my thing with Sheldon Keefe is. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do this, but when he tried to make the stars accountable, he walked yeah. it back. And that was our big issue with him. At that some, was, yeah, agreed. What, that what remains my biggest gripe with Sheldon Keefe. He feels yeah. like he's trying too hard to be there, to be on their side, which as a coach, that can't happen. I, I've seen coaches call out stars all the time. I look at Bruce Cassidy perfect example he called out a, a lot of times during the season jack eichel alex petrangelo a lot of guys who are not performing dude he he was let go of boston because of the exactly. relationship that had soured in that market because of the way that he treated some players like jake debrusque remember he he put in a trade request and the second yeah. that they let go of, of bruce cassidy last summer he's like actually you know what i'm gonna stick around i'm good now Gucci, that guy's gone. So, yeah, you're you're right. I, I I will say this too. It's going to be interesting to see how uh like who his new toys are going to be because who are the two players who Leafs Nation always always bitched and complained about getting too much ice time last year? Well, Justin Hall was one of them. Yeah. Uh, who's the other one? Oh, Alex Kerfoot. Alex Kerfoot is the other, the Swiss Army knife. And neither are on the team anymore. 
So, you know, the Kerfoot too. I forgot. Arizona. I know new, new, new management came in and he took away keeps toys. So they're like, Hey, we're going to give you some other players, you know, some decent players to, uh, to fill those roles. We'll see what he does. I'm curious who like the, the new toy is going to be. Like, I feel like it's going to like, I don't know. Is John Klingberg going to get way too much ice time here? Is that what we're going to be looking at? John Klingberg playing defensive minutes. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, how he adjusts and, you know who the new whipping boys are going to be with Kerfoot and Hall no longer there because you know there's going to be one. There's going to be a couple. It's Toronto. It always happens. It's probably going to be David um, Camp if we're going to be honest here. David Camp is probably going to be playing more because Sheldon Keith's going to trust to play him more, and he's probably going to be playing more than he should. Well, but the thing with David Camp is I think Leafs Nation knows what his role is. Right. I, you know, he's 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 your shutdown center, right? He's their your third center. He's not a guy who you're going to play up and down your lineup. That was a problem with, you know, Justin Hall and, and Alex Kerfoot. They were pigeonholed up the lineup a little bit. Like, you had Kerfoot playing second-line minutes with this team and just not producing. And you're not going to see that with camp. People know what to expect with that guy. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening, though. I, I'll be curious to see, you know, who those new toys are going to be and how these lineups will all kind of come together with the new players um, but we're still a few weeks away from that, a few weeks away from training camp before we can get into uh, into all that stuff. Um, on the other side, Dave, let's get into the athletics results for the front office confidence rankings. Quite shocking to see where the Leafs landed on the list. Before we get into it, though, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors. And of course, it's our good friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. It's North America's number one sports book right now. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all new customers who have bet $5, or sorry, all customers who have bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from the spreads, the player props, and more. And hey, the hockey season's coming around pretty soon, too. You'll be able to place wagers on the NHL as well. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano, got Dave Morissuti here with me. We are a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. Uh, we'll be back to daily podcasts at least in the next couple of weeks once training camp gets going. Which, Dave, did you notice that training camp is actually so late into September this year? My, my entire summer, I'm thinking, oh, training camp will be back, you know, September 15-ish. I was looking. The first on-ice session isn't until September 22nd, dude. September 22nd. Yeah, they just, it's apparently the players need a little more time to get themselves ready to go. Who knew? I mean, it is surprising, though. Yeah, I think a lot of fans, by, I think that time, September 15th, they're just going to be, they're, they're, they're going to have ants in their pants. They're going to want to see some. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get her going with the hockey season. Come on. School's back. We need hockey back. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, that being said, uh, in, you know, other news that's not having to do with actual hockey played on the ice, uh, the off-ice front office confidence rankings 
um, are uh, are complete and they've been put out by the athletics. So if you recall last week, Dave and I went through um, this poll that the athletic did and we answered a bunch of questions on a scale of one to five to see how confident we were in the Maple Leafs front office. And we encouraged all of you guys to go out and do it. And, uh, you know, some of you may have, which was awesome. Um, I think they, the Leafs typically do get a lot of people uh, giving feedback or the athletic gets a lot of people giving feedback in these, um, in these polls and the Maple Leafs surprisingly um, or unsurprisingly, I guess, I don't know. It depends how you look at it. I was kind of surprised that they ranked very, very low uh, 27th by the athletic, uh, the 27th um, most confident uh, team or front office, according to the fan base. Uh, so, not very confident, I guess, is how people feel about this front office. Are you kind of surprised that that was the case, given that you know the uh, the front office here is is very very new. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will say I was surprised about how low things were. What surprised me more so is usually it's the fan base. Like people say, the fan base is delusional and things like that. It was the fan base that gave the Leafs a worse grade than what the public did. And that's what surprised me in a way. Like I can understand the Leafs fans are just probably fed up with how the things have been going. Right. And some of that frustration does come through and look at how this off season one, how, why the Leafs were in the headlines, especially at the end of May, early June, I can understand that. But when you see the, just how different, I mean, there was, I wouldn't say it was like totally different in terms of, you know, the public and the fan base reaction. Actually, I'll pull that up right now so I can show everyone just on YouTube, just how different, like the the graphic that shows just how different. uh, There we go. Pull that up. There we go. So like the Leafs got a D plus the public pretty much gave the leaf C's except for the one D plus in cat management. The funny thing is the fan base thinks that the Leafs have better cat management than the public does. And, but and I agree more so with the fan base than the public. I mean, everyone just looks at the core four and how the Leafs are always in, in cap problems while well, they kind of have navigated that fairly well. Um, and I think a lot of people look at the Leafs cat management and believe in Brandon Pridham who is a Kyle Dubas holdover and believe that eh, they, they know how to work the cap pretty well as, as good as anybody. So it makes sense that the fan base who knows what's going on is more in tune with how things work here in Toronto would see it, uh, you know, as, as a more positively, I guess, than the general public. So that, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I look at, and, and you know what the one thing too here is you look down at the at the comments they they put in some of the i guess the fan comments here my confidence in the front office decreased significantly with the way it handled the duba situation and its subsequent handling of the summer's free agency period it will need to do a lot to regain the high level of cons i had in years prior right i i think um and then I'll read the second one here. It feels like the confidence in the team's decision-making process is at an all-time low. Going from a front office that had a consistent, understandable process to one that seems dis- more disjointed and unpredictable so far is scary and unfamiliar. See, the, the, the problem that I do have with 
with this whole exercise, I suppose, is to be fair to Brad Trilliving and the front office in Toronto, I think it's still too early to really know what they want to do, right? Like they haven't really had enough time or a chance for him to make a, you know, like a, a, a staple move. Like we haven't seen that big trade. We haven't yeah. seen them get rid of, you know, a big player or anything like that. Like, yeah, a bunch of guys walked via free agency. But a bunch of those guys were, were relatively new, like outside of, I guess, like bunting-ish. No, no core players left via free agency. Like, like Alex Kerfoot was was one of those, you know, kind of players, I suppose. If you really want to put him in that into that uh, into that category, or Justin Hall, which most people were happy to see those guys leave. So that's kind of why I was a little surprised to see it that low. I, I just think it's way too early to to judge this fam the this front office and to give him a D plus and to rank them so low to me just didn't make a, a whole lot of sense i think it's yeah I, I think it's the unknown that worries leaves fans right now i think that's what it is like i think it's unfair to fully criticize brad to living if you want to criticize brendan shanahan by all means i think you know we we've shown our you know how we felt about the way Brendan shanahan kind of handled certain things yeah. right I, I think that would be fair but to put it on brad to living would be really tough, right? I think maybe this is just the front office as a whole. And so when you're looking at drafting developing and you give them a D plus, well, that was Kyle Dubas that you're really giving the D plus to because he's the one that put the plan together for the Leafs draft and developing, right? So if you're saying that, you know, you're not, you're very unsure with Kyle Dubas leaving and Brett and Bratch living and can't come into place. Well, the D plus speaks more to Kyle Dubas than it does to Bratch living in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. And it is interesting too how, again, the fan base much more harsh, uh, harsher on draft and developing. The fan base giving them a D plus rating on average. 29th is where they ranked. And the public giving them a, a C, not a not an overly great mark, obviously, a C um, oh, ranks 21st. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's still kind of interesting to see that the public perception on the Leafs being able to, to draft and develop some players is a little bit better than the fan base who probably just looks and says, we keep trading away our draft picks and, you know, guys aren't panning out uh, the way that, you know, they, they wanted them to like Nick Robertson. There was a lot of promise. Nothing really happened. You know, like they, for years they, they've tried, they tried, you know, many, many guys who have been drafted and, and just nothing was coming up, but they were getting nothing at a outside of the first round when they had those top 10 picks. And now finally you're starting to see some guys, who are starting to develop and you know we'll kind of see what ends up happening uh, happening there but uh the other one that i guess somewhat surprised me was uh the lone b score that was given to toronto from both either the the public or the fan base um a b minus was given to free agency uh the team got a c or the fan base gave them a c minus but the public gave them a b minus you wrap your head around that one as to why uh, why that one was you know I, such a discrepancy. Well, I, I think people look at what happened. Like I think Leafs fans looked at what happened on day one of free agency, and the public looked at what happened on day two of free agency. Like that's what it feels like to me, because the Leafs didn't have a good start to free agency, and then the the opinion kind of reversed on day two. Leafs fans obviously probably still think about the Reeves and the Klingberg signings while well, the the fan the public is probably saying well you guys also got 
Bertuzzi, Domi. Like that's that's a pretty like I, I guess that maybe that's what it is for for that. See, I I almost wonder how much of the free agency one was like looking at their history where right. John Tavares' name is thrown sure. into that and, and is a big part of why the fan base looks at free agency in the past and hasn't been big fans because that that has been a widely criticized deal that uh, that was made in free agency. And, you know, they haven't really brought in outside of this year, I guess, with Bertuzzi. They haven't been able to bring in a lot of guys, but they've let a lot of guys walk, which is also part of the free agent process, right? right? So I think that is why, like, the fan base is jaded from the history of what's gone on in uh, free agency as opposed to focusing on, you know, this year's free agent period in a vacuum where maybe the public did, whereas the fan base was looking at the history of the last like five to seven years of least free agent process. I think the one that really got me was trading. Like the fan base thinks the Leafs are that bad at making trades. Like, I'm sorry. Like I understand like they made trades to go for it in the playoffs and it doesn't work out. Guess what? So do a lot of other teams uh, that doesn't really work out well either. But I feel like they always like Kyle, uh, Kyle Dubas, had always identified an issue and has found solutions. Like I think of the trade he made initially when he got Jack Campbell. Like, yeah, Jack Campbell wasn't viewed as bringing him in to be the starter, but he ended up becoming the starter, and they didn't really give up much to get the, get him right. Yeah, I even look at even the last couple of trade deadlines. Like that last trade deadline, yes, Caldo has made a lot of moves, but a lot of moves that really did become necessary. Marvelous, right? It was a great, great, it was a great deadline, a terrific deadline from from Kyle Dubas. He like Ryan O'Reilly filled the need, Luke Shen filled the major need, like they Noel went out, Chari. Got, yeah, Noel Chari, big time need. Like they got a first round pick for Rasmus Sandin, which they were able to to use to to add to the cupboard this year. Like they they did a pretty good job of of yeah trading last year. Um why that's a D plus to me also kind of a big question mark, I guess, because it hasn't yielded winning results, I suppose. Could that's be the only thing to say is, yeah, the trades haven't worked out to make like the, Fel- the Felino deal still kind of gets criticized to this day. I guess yeah. that one, you know, Mason Marchment, let him, let him go, let him walk. Although but like, this is like years, years ago. I'm I'm thinking of like recent trades. Like, but, but I'm I, I know, but I wonder how many people who did this exercise were looking at the history, like just the things that are still in recent memory and things that are still impacting and affecting the modern day team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking as to why when I look at a lot of these negative. Uh, marks like a lot a lot of d pluses like their their total grade was a d plus i'm thinking that's not just the last 60 days since tree living took office i'm assuming this is a historical kind of look and and they're thinking jadedly on the fan on uh on the organization a lot of the fan base they haven't given them anything to celebrate ultimately right one round one in uh in in nearly 20 years yeah they're gonna be a little jaded not gonna not gonna mark your papers properly. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do hope that you know 
with time, management can show that the, like maybe maybe this lights a little bit of a fire under management, right? Like, wow, I, I doubt, I, I doubt they're, I doubt they're and I'm sure they're aware of it. I'm sure, I don't think they really care all too much right. about where they rank. This management team likes to kind of work in the shadows, right? They don't they don't have they're not like some other teams where I feel like some other teams really do value the fan base's opinion in a lot of ways. I, I, I think you do see, especially in the markets where fan support is like, look, the Leafs need the fan support because they're amongst the top revenue teams. And that happens because they draw huge numbers in a lot of different areas, but it's not like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think of teams that Ottawa, like Ottawa. They, they, they don't have to work for their fan support. They're going to get the support no matter what. Obviously yeah. it's important. It's important to every franchise in any sport to get that support but to your point they're gonna get it no matter what because such a rabid fan base they don't have to they don't have to work for it whereas other teams arizona ottawa carolina they got to kind of work for it these small market teams where they're kind of in the back of people's mind not the center of not only the center of toronto sports market but the center of the hockey universe as well well, yeah, of course, and I, I actually didn't even see where Ottawa ranked. It's a good, actually, good question on my. I, I, that would be yeah. I, the Devils were first, so the Devils. Ottawa were, was seventeen. Interesting. D minus in trading, right? So they got a C plus grade overall. Um, the That's public surprising. The public gave the Senators an A in drafting and developing. The fan base gave them a C plus. That's quite a discrepancy there. That's a yeah, that is quite the discrepancy. I mean, you think like Stutza was drafted and developed. He turned out to be a pretty solid player. Drake Sanderson, they like top five picks. Know. It's pretty. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, the these are top five picks. You're right. So they they got to get some some younger guys to you know some Let's middle rounders or fourteenth. The fan base gave them an A minus for trading. The public gave them a B minus. Um, draft and development was a B minus for Montreal. I found that to be a little. I, that 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 was a little generous, considering how I've seen fan the fans in Montreal react to the last two drafts. Especially in the first round. With well, it was what Slavkovsky was Mayu the last draft before that? Mayu was a draft before. So the last three drafts. Yeah. Have been, uh, have been not troublesome, but they've been question marks for, uh, yeah. for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, said New Jersey. Do you, know, you see who's last? I didn't. Oh, I, Tampa? Was it Tampa that was last? Or nope. Tampa? Lou Ooh. Lamorello's New York Islanders. Actually, that's... I, I would that's, probably agree with that one. Again, I love my man Pierre Engvall, but making him part of your core, giving him a seven-year seven deal is very questionable, and I would also think maybe it's time for us to take... Uh, take a little responsibility off of Lou's hands if he's making some senile choices like that. Yep. Making uh, that guy part of your 
core for the next seven years. Calgary was 31, just to give people an idea. Calgary's 31. Yeah, Vancouver was 30. Marks. Yeah, a lot of question marks there with how they're operating as well. San Jose, 29. Yeah, they stink. Winnipeg, 28. A lot of question marks there as well. And then it's the Leafs. So those are the teams that are below the Leafs. You see, but th- there must be a massive gap, though, because I see all those teams, and it's like, okay, the, it makes sense for those teams to be that low because there are massive question marks for which direction teams. We should also admit and add that the um, this survey was done prior to the Matthews contracts getting signed. Right. Yes. So I wonder how different – people would feel about this front office after getting that deal signed like, okay. you two comments to our matthew signing <laughs> it's it's about a 50 50 yeah fair enough so i i do wonder how True. differently i guess this uh this this exercise would have would have gone for the maple Leafs, how they would have scored had that signing come out like a week or two earlier just in time for you know people to include that into their findings i guess i really do question how people think the like especially the flyers fans think that they're ahead of the leafs in confidence no idea well you know because danny Breer came in and, and made some decent moves he actually gave them a, a direction i suppose yeah you know, he stripped it down and made some trades and decided we're just gonna suck and i think people appreciate that at least you know where you stand you know, as opposed to some teams who are just kind of beating around a bush like Vancouver is, where the fan base wants them to implode and just suck. And they're like, no, nope, we're going to keep trying to make the playoffs and finish on the outside looking in every year. Right. And that's going to leave a very jagged fan base. So it makes sense for them to be so low. And then Calgary, Winnipeg, no idea what's happening with them and, and their players, the front office there. How is Arizona 16, by the way? Just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, like that's a joke. Like Arizona should be very, very low. That's they a team that's not trying to play get... on a college campus, Dave. They play on a college campus. So you're confident with this front office? You're more worried about acquiring players that don't play in the NHL and they're never going to play in the NHL again than they are actually of icing their own team. Dog, they got locked out of their arena because they don't pay bills. You're conf- you have confidence in these people? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll give you guys the top five as well. Uh, Mike said uh, New Jersey was one. I'll go from bottom now. We got Colorado, who was last year. They were first. They have dropped down to five. Ooh. Uh, Dallas uh, is fourth. They were 24th last year. They're a really good draft and develop team. Yeah, that's for agency for agency. They always tend to to do pretty pretty good. That that makes some sense there. The Tampa Bay Lightning are third. They were second last year. Yeah, I don't think any team can uh, ring the bell when it comes to drafting and developing quite like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who just seem to always be able to fill guys in. You know, guys like Braden Point, third rounders becoming superstars for them. The Carolina Hurricanes were second. Yeah, another team that can really draft and develop good cap management. They've made some really shrewd trades over the last few years, and people really like the the vision there. So that makes a lot of sense, too. I, I'll say the biggest change from last year, it's what a difference a year can make. The Vegas Golden Knights were 31st last year, right down at the bottom. 
because they missed out on the playoffs. Missed out on the playoffs a year ago. And they are six. Dude, just goes to show, man, like, A, winning heals all. Yep. And that's a a passionate fan base. Oh, yeah. Because when you lose out on the playoffs and you finish 31st, clearly – People are upset. People are mad, and they made it a, a change. They they are a, a they may listen to fans. They made a change at coach, and they brought in Bruce Cassidy, and he ends up bringing them to a championship. They win the whole darn thing, win a Stanley Cup, and go from thirty first most confidence to sixth. Like that's such a big jump, and it's because they won. Obviously, got to be confident with a team that builds a winner. Be nice mm-hmm. to see that in Toronto, wouldn't it? Yeah, so fans, if you want to understand how the Leafs can get themselves back to near the top, or I don't even know where the Leafs were in past years. I don't think they were ever, like, ever given top. They were, uh, it was on the, they had it last year where they were. Hold on. Last year they were 18. Yeah. So they moved moved down quite a bit. Quite a bit. Almost 10 spots. Nine spots. Exactly. So you want to get yourself back up to the top? Look at what Vegas did. <laughs> Pretty much Vegas is the blueprint to yeah. how you get yourself up. I, I will also say that um, the athletic, uh, a lot of their readers, I guess you could say, are more, as some of them, I don't want to generalize it, but like there's, you know, certain niche readers with the athletic and, and a lot of them would be considered, you know, analytically, driven i suppose which is why a lot of them would have been fans of kyle dubas which is why moving on from him makes uh you know such a big change in confidence i suppose um as opposed to last year very confident in the team and with kyle dubas in the in the in the vision when you make a change and you start bringing in guys like ryan reeves john klingberg who aren't uh their their hero charts their their advanced analytics are are not so great that's probably why you know your your people from the athletic are, are going to be a little a little more down on Toronto than maybe the the general public would be. Um, so that that that's also something to to keep in mind too, right? When you're when you're kind of breaking down, um, breaking this stuff down. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Anything uh, anything else you wanna you wanna bring up quickly before we jet out of here for the day? No, because we're gonna have a lot of time in the next few weeks to. Start getting yourself primed for training camp now. That September is here. Yes, September is here. Training camp uh, kicking off in 21 days, three weeks till training camp starts. First game will be on the 24th. Uh, we're excited, man. Excited for things to uh, to get rolling, get going. You and I will most certainly uh, be getting ready to rock. We'll be getting some people on the podcast. I've already shot out some feelers to. You know some uh, some some people around, uh, you know the the Toronto hockey sphere. So we'll see if we can get some guests lined up for the next couple of weeks as well. Should be should be really fun. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also up on YouTube and to hit the notification bell so you know when we do drop new episodes daily on YouTube because uh, I believe those daily shows are coming. Uh, Starting next week or the week after, every Monday through Friday. We'll be here. We'll be here providing you the up-to-date Leafs analysis of what is going on in Leafland. 
But that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. Also up on YouTube, receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morisuti. Follow the show as well at Locked on Leafs. We'll be back with another episode for y'all on Monday or Tuesday. Monday's a holiday, so it may get pushed to Tuesday. We'll see. Monday or Tuesday, we'll be back with you. But until then, enjoy the long weekend and keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.